We turn in God's Word this morning to that passage from which that hymn is taken, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We'll not be reading the entire chapter, but we'll begin at verse 1 and then I'll indicate where it is to where we are going in the chapter. Let us hear then God's breathed out word to us this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thus far the reading of God's breathed out word. Let's again bow in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we again come to that portion of this worship service, Father, where we gather around your feet to hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, what power is like unto this? For Father, through the preaching of your word, accompanied by your spirit, you are able to breathe life into dead souls. Father, you are able to encourage your believers, Father, in the inheritance that we have that cannot be taken away. Father, what an amazing and powerful part of our worship we are about to partake. Father, we just pray that you would be with a messenger, with Pastor Bob, as he brings forth your message today. Father, that he would give him great clarity of mind and speech. And Father, that you would control even his actions and his words, that all would bring glory and honor to your name. All this we pray in his name. Amen. And amen. So the reason I did not ask you to ask the young people and the leaders about main sessions is because our sermon this morning is a compilation of those five messages that they heard from uh, Reverend Paul Murphy, who uh, you'll note uh, this evening we are taking an offering from Messiah's Reformed Fellowship, a church that uh, meets in a place called Hell's Kitchen in New York City, right in uh, uh, the depth of the depravity of that uh, city and of our world. Um, he is the pastor there, pal Pastor Murphy. And so he spoke to us on, on three occasions. Uh, pastor Brad uh, Meyer uh, from the first Chino URC uh, gave two of those presentations. And uh, this morning, hopefully, uh, I will do them justice by uh, bringing uh, compilation of, of those messages. Now understand uh, that was about uh, five hours worth of lecture that uh, I'm, I'm go hopefully going to be able to do in 30 minutes. So everything that was said is obviously not included this morning. But uh, you also, when you do these things, pastors have to insert their own thoughts uh, 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 on the passage as well. And so there is some of that this morning as well. So we want to look at uh, the fact that uh, the front of those shirts talk about a total insurance, total life insurance, a policy that covers us for all eternity. First of all, we want to look at the need for that policy. Secondly, the cost of that total life policy. Thirdly, the benefits of the total policy, and fourthly, the responsibilities of that total life policy. We'll begin by simply asking the question, do you have life insurance? Now, I don't, I don't mean of a spiritual kind. I, I mean of an earthly kind, of a, of a material kind, a, a kind that you might get from a Northwestern Life Insurance Company or some such other organization. So if I could just see the hands, how many of you have a life 
insurance policy that when you die, there's going to be some sort of payout for your uh, survivors. How many of you have one? Quite a few, okay? Quite a few, okay? Well, that's where Reverend Murphy began with us, at least explaining to young people who obviously most of whom probably don't have such a policy, basically explaining to us uh, about life insurance and, and the policy. Uh, and he explained to us there are folks, uh, even as we have here, who have none. Uh, most of them, as he asked the question, did not have and do not have life insurance in terms of uh, the, the worldly, the material type. So there are those who have none. A second type of insurance policy that perhaps many of you have is what is called term. It's good for a set term, for maybe a 10-year policy or a 20-year policy. Maybe you bought it a few years ago and, and it's going to last you another 10, 15 years, but when that policy date comes to an end, you no longer have insurance. It's done. And you have to either buy a new policy at a much higher premium, okay, as perhaps some of you have found out, or you say, nah, at this point and stage in my life, I, I don't think I need that any longer. Or the third type of policy is a whole life type policy. Uh, a policy that uh, basically stays the same throughout your lifetime. There isn't a set term. So if you begin it at 25, you, you're still paying on it when you're 75. And it doesn't come to an end. And in today's world, there's all sorts of little nuances. Probably most of you get little cards in the mail if you're about my age about, you know, redoing your life insurance and your investments and all that sort of stuff, all of which gets very, very confusing. Some of your life insurance policy is called Social Security. Uh, probably if you're 20 or 25, probably not the best policy to be counting on uh, when you're 65 at, at the current rate at which we're going. But you see, that, that's not really the question. The question isn't, are we set here? Because actually, when you think about it, in most cases, in most scenarios, a life insurance policy actually isn't for you, is it? <laughs> it's for other people. Other people are going to benefit from your death. Makes you wonder if you ought to have it then, right? Other people are going to benefit. When you die, they get the fun. You get nothing. Maybe you get some peace of mind in the sense of, well, I think my family will be taken care of after I die and debts will be paid and that sort of thing will be taken care of. But that's not really the question. The question is, do you have an insurance policy that lasts beyond death? This temporal, this physical world. Do you have an insurance policy that is going to last into eternity? And with my little play on the words, I, I think it's better than to speak of a total assurance policy. Do you have total assurance for the world in which is to come for all of eternity? Let me give you the reason why. Turn with me in your scriptures, if you would, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Revelation, chapter 20. 
By the time we get to Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, that's where I need you to turn, this world has come to an end. Christ has returned. And if you're betting he isn't, you're wrong. That's a worse, in a sense, gamble than buying lotto tickets. He is coming. He is returning. This world is going to come to an end. And you, sooner or later, if he doesn't return in your lifetime, you're going to die. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. How does your life stand up before a holy God? Before a perfect God? Before a God who demands perfection from your life? A God who demands holiness from your life. How do you stand up? Ever had an evil thought? You'll be judged by that evil thought. You ever had an adulterous look? You'll be judged by that adulterous look. Ever stolen anything? You'll be judged by that theft. ever not worship God on his day, you'll be judged by not keeping his day holy. Just one, just one Sabbath, just one Lord's Day brings about your condemnation. Ever taken God's name in vain just once? A derivative, a derivative of his name maybe? You kind of, kind of fence it so you don't actually go all the way, but you meant to? The word means to? You're condemned. Ever gossiped? You're condemned. Ever not loved your wife as you promised? You're condemned. Ever moved your children to anger? Frustration because you weren't walking with the Lord? You're condemned. Ever loved something more than God? You're condemned. See, we need an assurance policy. Because truth be known that if we all stood before this perfect God, this holy God, and this book is opened of that which we have done, if there is but one, one, what happens? What are we told in Revelation chapter 21? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
eternal condemnation. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We read in Luke chapter 4 of Jesus' temptations. He too was tempted as we were, as we are. But in Luke chapter 4, as we read those temptations, Jesus remains pure, perfect, holy, sinless. We read later in the Gospel of Luke of a of a farmer who goes out and sows seed. And that seed, which Jesus tells us in the explanation of the parable as the word of God, falls upon various soils. Pastor Murphy explained that passage with using this idea of insurance. Some of that soil, some of the word that is read and preached, even to you here this morning, falls Upon soil that is hardened. Your heart is hard. It will not receive the word of God. And you do not believe. You do not trust that word. That word that comes to you this morning does not penetrate your heart. Does not penetrate your soul. It does nothing. You have no assurance. When you stand before the judgment of God and that book of works is opened, you are condemned. Some of that seed that falls in that parable falls in various other types of soil where in some it springs up quickly but then withers away or the birds come and take it away. A term policy. Oh, once you said, I love Jesus. Maybe once you thought about Christ, but it's borne no fruit. It hasn't borne the fruit of repentance. It hasn't borne the fruit of faith. It hasn't borne the fruit of good works. It's a term policy. And it ends at your death. It's no good. It's not that which will inherit for you eternal life. But some of that seed fell upon fertile soil. The soil hears that word of God. It receives that word of God. And it produces. Produces repentance. It produces faith. It produces obedience. And that policy, that point, is that which we read of at the end of that section I just read from Revelation, the book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? How does the word of God fall upon your heart? pay no attention 
It's temporary. It's basically as good until you get out of church. Or does it produce your life? But there is a cost involved. Anytime you, as most of you know, who raised your hands, others of you who didn't probably perhaps don't have it because of the cost of a policy, right? There's some policies that cost too much. You just can't pay that premium every year. It, it's just beyond you. Or you bargain down from what you think you need to a lesser amount and a lesser amount and a lesser amount to it's an amount that you think you can afford every year. For every policy, there is a cost. This policy of a total life assurance, a plan that lasts not only for this life but for all of eternity, has a cost as well. I want you to remember these six words. People in black shirts ought to know them. They ought to be able to say them with me. This plan, what? Cost us nothing. Cost Christ everything. Cost us nothing, cost Christ everything. There is the cost of the incarnation. Philippians chapter 2, although he considered equality with God something to be grasped, he emptied himself and took on human form. In your own mind, I don't know what it is, so in your own mind, I want you to think of what do you think is the most disgusting bug? What is the most disgusting bug that you can think of in your mind? We were given the example of cockroaches, but maybe others of you have other insects, bugs in mind. Christ, Almighty, second person of the Trinity, divine, holy, pure, worshipped and adored by the angels, came to earth. And to help you understand that and to think about that, he became man. He became the most disgusting of creatures. He became man. One whose heart is evil continually. One who rebels against God constantly. Christ became that ugliness, that bug. That's you, that's me in our depravity. The cost for this total life insurance policy is that incarnation. Christ, the Son of God, became man. Not, oh goody, I get to become a man. Really? One of them? That's what I need to become? Yes. In order to pay the price of their total 
life assurance policy. But it's not just that. He also has to pay with his blood. Romans chapter 8 reminds us of the fact that it is through the blood of Christ. Excuse me, Romans chapter 3 reminds us. But now a righteousness from God has appeared. How? Through his blood. He had to shed his blood. It's not just that he had to become one of us as a disgusting sinner. He also had to suffer. His blood had to be poured out. He had to go through pain and agony and suffering. Leviticus 16 reminds us of the fact that he had to be forsaken, even as that scapegoat, as they confessed the sins of God's people there in the Old Testament, upon the head of that scapegoat. And they took that scapegoat and took it out into the wilderness, forsaken, forgotten. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What did it take? What price did your and my total life assurance policy cost? It cost Christ to be forsaken by his Father. He had to endure the agony and the torment of that lake of fire, of hell, in the forsakenness of his Father. But as we are reminded in Romans chapter 5, it is also his death. Emmanuel, God himself is with us, and yet that Emmanuel, God himself with us, dies. Death. He pays the price so that we can have Total insurance policy covered today, tomorrow, covered for eternity. It cost us nothing, it costs Christ everything. Grace. God, unmerited love for us. What are the benefits then of this policy? Well, in most insurance policies, as I said, the benefits are paid out only after you die. The beauty and the wonder of this total assurance policy is that the benefits begin even now because it's guaranteed you now I, I many of you I'm sure over the course of your lifetime have seen insurance companies come and go we have seen great financial institutions bite it we have seen them fall we have seen them tumble and we know we have this policy, but we know, we know in our heart of hearts, it could very well be. We've paid in every year, every year, every year, but tomorrow we may wake up and find out that they're bankrupt and they got nothing and you got no insurance. There is absolutely no guarantee, is there? 
None. Whether it's from the United States government or some great financial insurance agency, there is absolutely no way that it is 100% guaranteed. But this policy is. This policy comes with a guarantee. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Verse 38. What's the guarantee? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, what? Will ever be able to cancel out the policy? Will ever be able to take away the assurance that you and I have of the love of Jesus Christ? Nothing can separate us. There is nothing, nothing you can think of, nothing you can dream of, nothing you can invent, nothing that's going to be invented in the next hundred years if Christ tarries that will be able to separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. It is guaranteed. It is guaranteed by the Father, by the Son, and by the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, it takes the mouth of two or three witnesses. You have a threefold guarantee. The Father guarantees. The Son guarantees. The Spirit guarantees. They will let nothing separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. A total assurance policy. That day of judgment that we read about in Revelation cannot separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how long the list of sins that may be there. It cannot separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter those evil thoughts in terms of your separation from the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the blood of Christ has canceled all of them out. They are gone. They exist no more. You are totally and completely assured of God's love in Jesus Christ for all eternity. But not only is the policy guaranteed, the policy comes with riders of great benefit. See, these are things we have now, right? I have the assurance now. I live every day of my life knowing that nothing can separate me from the love of God. I don't have to die to know that. I know that now. You know that now. That's what comes with the policy. The benefits are being paid now already. It's not I will have eternal life. It's that I have eternal life. It's yours and mine now. But the policy comes with this beautiful writer. Hope. Hope. Romans chapter 8, 28 through 30. What do we read about the work of God. Here's the hope. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
in this assurance policy. Everything that happens in my life, everything that happens in your life, if you're under the plan, is working together for your good. God is orchestrating the whole entire universe and universes beyond so that your life will be conformed to the glorious image of his Son, Jesus Christ. Hope. I have the hope not only that someday I stand before the judgment seat of God and I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Why? Because of me? No, because of Christ. It's his benefit. It's his merit that is counted towards me. But I have that thinking not only in eternity, I have that hope now. Every day, every moment of our life, we live under the total assurance policy of hope. That comes as a rider. But then we have this promise of the policy. No condemnation for those who are under the policy. No condemnation. Even today. No condemnation. There is a little phrase I want you to look at in verse 30. It's filled with important theological terms, all rich in their meaning. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Notice it doesn't say he also will glorify. It's past tense. God has already glorified you. And God can't glorify someone that he condemns. There is no more condemnation. You stand already before God glorified. It won't take your death. You don't have to die to be glorified. You already are glorified. In the work of God, in the policy that Christ purchased for you on the cross, you already are a glorified saint. No condemnation. No charge against you. Christ will not let anyone charge you. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? Silence. Why? Because Christ died. That's why Christ died for you. You have an assurance policy. Christ died for you. You're glorified. That's what we do, you see, every Lord's Day, morning and evening. Every Lord's Day, morning and evening, we're translated into glory. That's what worship is. Being in the presence of God as glorified saints.
coming under such a policy, and I see my time is quickly fleeting, but coming under such a policy brings certain responsibilities. Oh, and you say, oh, here it comes. No, not really. Not really. Pastor Neumeyer spoke to us about the blessing of obedience. To be able to obey God is a blessing. You realize that? To do what God wants you to do is a blessing. Because whenever you do what God wants you to do, he blesses. It's a blessing to be obedient to God. It's, it's not an obligation. We often talk about it as, you know, gratitude and thanksgiving. Yes, it is. But it's a blessing to be able to obey God, to have a heart that has been so changed, to have a mind that has been so altered by the Spirit of God that he has so completely changed our lives, our thinking, that we actually have a desire to do what God wants us to do. You see, those who aren't under the plan don't have any desire to do so. They could care less. But we have hearts that in God's grace have been moved to have a desire to follow Him, to worship Him. Pastor Murphy doubled down on this by talking about the fact that, that we need to be people who seek to improve our baptism. There's some of you who are going to be shocked by that term. How do you improve your baptism? Our Westminster Larger Catechism asks the question, how is baptism to be improved by us? Answer, the needful but much neglected duty of improving our baptism is to be performed by us all our life long, especially in the time of temptation and when we are present at the administration of it to others, by serious and thankful consideration of the nature of it and of the ends for which Christ instituted it, the privileges and benefits conferred and sealed thereby, and our solemn vow married therein, by being humbled for our sinful defilement, are falling short of and walking contrary to the grace of baptism and our engagements by growing up to assurance of pardon of sin and of all other blessings sealed to us in that sacrament by drawing strength from the death and resurrection of Christ in whom we are baptized for the mortifying of sin and quickening of grace and by endeavoring to live by faith to have our conversations in holiness and righteousness as those that have therein given up their names to Christ, and to walk in brotherly love and being baptized by the same Spirit into one body. We are the children of God. What an awesome privilege it is to have Christ interceding before the Father's throne with your name written on his hands. To live obediently the blessing of improving upon our baptism. I am a child of God and I desire to live as a child of God. You're the children of God. You desire 
how blessed obedience is. But to also live joyfully. Why would you not smile? Why would you not have a heart bursting with joy? Why would you not want to tell everybody about this great plan? Why would you not want to be a part of Christ's church, his body? Why would you not delight joyfully in serving in the kingdom? To bring this good news. This good news that that folks who are out there, hopeless, empty, facing God's judgment. Why would you not at least not want to tell them, I know of an insurance plan that will cover you now and for all eternity. Finally, the responsibility of living peacefully. To have the quietness of mind, the quietness of soul. Romans chapter 5, therefore, since we have been justified, we have peace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we live life in this world, we, we perhaps roll a lot upon our beds or think a lot about our economic situations and the future and where we're at and how we pay the bills from month to month, how we're going to ever be able to retire. But not once, not once, do you and I need to toss and turn upon our beds wondering, does God love me? I have a plan to cover that. Provided by God himself. Paid for by Jesus Christ. And you and I can live in the benefit of knowing There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And God's people say, amen. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for this assurance policy that covers totally and completely life today, life for all eternity. Lord, if there are those who are here this morning or those who perhaps will hear this message in various other ways. That, Father, by the power of your word and through the work of your spirit, they today, they today, might know Jesus Christ. That they today, Father, moved by your spirit, become that good soil. And that the fruit of repentance and faith and obedience to Christ might begin today, in this hour, in this moment. Not for our glory, 
not for our praise, but for the glory and honor of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's people say, Amen.